0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome to, to the Bulls Beat Podcast Show, show. the Chicago, Chicago, Bulls Podcast. Chicago Bulls Podcast. Welcome back to the Bulls Beat Bulls fans, Doug Thomas here with you discussing our Chicago Bulls and lots of games. I mean, just the first thing, it's just kind of nice. We had, because of COVID, a couple games canceled, one against Boston, one against Memphis. Or I shouldn't say canceled, delayed, delayed, officially delayed. The NBA is going to get their uh, 72 games in, so we'll make these games up somehow just because they want all that TV money, and who could blame them? But in the last week, we've had four games, and I mentioned, uh, maybe it was last show, maybe it was the show before, maybe even both shows, the Bulls were on a critical stretch of, they had seven games in a row that were winnable games. And I said, if you think this team is going to be a playoff team, if you think they're going to make it to the eighth seed or seventh seed, they're going to have to play well over this stretch of games where they have winnable games and so it was the Trailblazers two against the Knicks, two against the Magic, one against the Wizards, one against the Pelicans and so you have these seven games and you kind of want to see the Bulls win like five of those games you know if they're gonna really kind of uh, make some hay here and so so far they're uh, two wins and three losses over this stretch now I guess the good news if you want to call it good news and I don't know if I really want to call it good news but that Portland game, I'd say, as we discussed last week, was a little bit controversial in the finish. That jump ball call, I think, was a bad call. You have this Knicks game. You beat the Knicks. And it's it's interesting playing these back-to-backs against teams where you see the same team, like, twice right away, especially against Orlando, where you're playing a full back-to-back, not even a day off, just Friday, Saturday, bam, bam, magic, magic, uh, which, which is fun, but it, it's interesting. Like You don't even see that in the playoffs where you play head to heading as the same team twice in the back-to-back. That's that's really quite unusual. So anyway, you, you get to see the same team twice. So uh, the Bulls split against the Knicks, and they split against the Magic. And, you know, in that first game against the Knicks, I thought it was a nice, convincing win. Uh, you know, you pretty much were, were kind of winning a lot of the game. You get, like, a lot of... Uh, you closed the game out well. It, it was a, a solid performance. The second game against the Knicks, like, in the end, you just, you just can't shoot. You know, you just didn't shoot threes. I mean... I want to say Zach and Lowry combined for 0 for 11 from the three-point line. And, you know, the Knicks were out to a pretty big lead for most of this game. Bulls fight back hard, make it close at the end, and uh, ultimately fall by four points. Kind of a similar story in this first loss against the Magic. Uh, Bad shooting game uh, overall. Not nearly as bad as that Knicks game, which they ended up 6 for 36 in that Knicks game. Oh, man, it's awful. And they shot like 71% from two. And Donovan was like, well, we got to find ways to win when we're not shooting. I'm like, you're not going to make one in six threes and find a way to win. You're just not. Not with this team. This is like not a team that's going to be like, yeah, we win on defense. Like, this is not going to happen. It's a miracle that they shot that bad and lost by four points. You know, you figure like, if they made two more threes, which still would have been an awful percentage from three, still would have been awful. They would have won the game. Uh, against the Magic, similar story. Poor shooting. Uh, they were getting annihilated. They come back in the fourth quarter, and they end up losing by four points. And then they just crushed the Magic in this next game. Uh, Lowry now out, uh, Otto out. I don't know. Like Otto is listed questionable with back spasms. Uh, Lowry with a uh, shoulder sprain. Sounds like maybe both won't be out too long. I don't know if Otto's thing is just like his normal doesn't play him back-to-backs and they just made up an excuse for it and said it was back spasms, which just seems like a good generic way to say, like, we want to rest the guy. Yeah, he's got back spasms. Uh, so we'll see. You know, but I, I think it's interesting. Lowry is out again. Health has definitely been a concern for him, and the Bulls played extremely well in this lineup. Now the Magic were missing Evan Fournier, who had back spasms as well in this game. And I don't track the Magic well enough. My apologies, basketball fans everywhere, to know if he's a guy who also relatively frequently sits out back-to-backs, or if you know he was just like this is something special. But so Fournier is out for them, and then maybe that he was one of their key players, so it makes sense that the Bulls maybe annihilate him. I mean, we're missing Lowry and Otto, who are kind of key players for us too. So no excuses on the Magic side, but the Bulls win. And they look pretty good. They had Denzel in the, the starting lineup. He scored 20. And, you know, kind of looks like a player. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Denzel. You know, I think he's played reasonably well when the Bulls have gotten minutes. Uh, props to Fred Pfeiffer, Denzel's biggest fan. Uh, but, you know, I think, I think Denzel is actually kind of looks like a, you know, a decent guy. Now, it, the Bulls probably won't keep him. He's an unrestricted free agent because he's playing on the qualifying offer uh, as we speak now. And, you know, that's fine. I'm not not upset that the Bulls won't keep Denzel if he goes, but, you know, good, good luck to the guy. You know, you always, I guess cheer for someone who's related to your team to kind of do well and make something of his career. Given his injuries, I, I wouldn't be all in on trying to bring him back anyway unless the price tag was really cheap just because, you know, I don't think he's a guy you can count on. Similar to, like, Otto Porter, like, no matter what he does this year, even if he has a fine year and plays well, like, you wouldn't really want to count on Otto Porter on any type of long-term deal, would you? I mean, you just would feel like there's no way this guy stays healthy. If Otto Porter can't even put it together to play in back-to-backs over 25 minutes in a contract year, there's like, no way I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going with that guy forward. Zach Levine continues to just be a complete badass. I, yeah, just, just awesome. You know, it's like, even the days where against, against the Knicks and the Magic and those losses, I think he shot, like, maybe a combined... I want to say one for 12 from the three-point line. But he still finds other ways to score. His passing has been so much better lately. His passing has been so much better. Like Zach Levine actually almost looks like a point guard. If he could tighten up his handle, he could really become like a number one, player, uh, number one initiating type option. I mean, it's, it's interesting. It's a big ask for Zach to really you know, remove some of these turnovers. It's funny because people say, oh, he just has to remove these turnovers. But the abilities he needs to add to do that, are a lot, but he's just made like incremental improvement after incremental improvement. Like it wouldn't shock me at this point to see Zach like do that and get better. Like he really seems to want it and he really seems to work hard. You know, the more and more I watch Zach, the more and more I like him every year. He's gotten better for the bulls and you know, he's got a lot of detractors and for some good reasons, I understand why people have had this. You can't win with Zach. Uh, type of attitude in the past but I think you know that attitude has to be gone now I don't think you could look at Zach and say this is a negative player anymore you can say he has some defensive deficiencies but he is definitely bringing enough to the table that he is a positive impact player and a a very good positive impact player for this team so hopefully that that argument isn't being made by anyone anymore I haven't really seen it uh, so much I think people now kind of have started to respect Zach even despite some of those warts and they still do exist they still do exist and so it kind of brings me to, like, what would you do right now if you're the Bulls? So you're, you're sitting here, you know, your team is not amazing. You're maybe playing for the play-in tournament. You're maybe looking for a playoff spot. You just had this, you know, kind of rush of games against teams that are, like, not so good. And right now you're 2-3, and three, but, you know, you got one blowout win. And, you know, like, you're kind of low, close in your three losses. You got three games on this season that maybe you know you really should have won, but the refs screwed you over. And if you won those three games, you'd actually be 12 and 10 right now. And like you're not going to make that back up. But so maybe you feel like your team's a little better than the record, and, and you should you should be okay with it. You know, but as it sits right now, the Bulls are sitting in 11th uh, and percentage points out of 10th where Cleveland sits. Miami is still lurking below us at 8 and 14, and you just kind of feel like Miami's going to put it together. And, and make a run and is not going to be denied from the playoffs, which means you're going to have to pass two teams to get into the playoff tournament. You know, I think Cleveland is, is quite possible. You're a half game away from Toronto and Charlotte, and I think both of those teams are possible, and, and you're a full game back on the Knicks. Like, I think that that team is also possible to pass. So you, you definitely have some guys you can catch in there. It's going to be close if you play well. And you're now kind of on this precipice right here. Do you trade for some players that could help you win now? Uh, do you trade for future, uh, you know, assets and, and lose talent uh, and get maybe a little worse and improve your own draft position? Because even though the Bulls are, like, not really in, like, tank territory by any stretch, you know, the only teams that you could not pass going downwards right now are, like, Washington, Detroit, and Minnesota. Like, those teams have been really bad. But, you know, Orlando is a game worse than us. They're 9-15. and We're 9-13. and Granted, two games in the last column. Miami is the other team that's worse in the East, and... You kind of figure Miami is going to pass us. And then you got Dallas, who's at 10 and 14. You kind of feel like Dallas could easily pass us. So, you know, you, you could definitely get down to fourth really easily if you make a couple trades to get bad. And the one trade I think that might make that happen, uh, if you want to chase draft picks but still be a little bit high on what you can do in the future, is to trade Thad Young. You look at Thad, who's been amazing. They started calling him Thadjik Johnson on uh, the broadcast, which I, I think is great because passing has been amazing. Near triple doubles, like over and over you know, he's, he's really been outstanding. And if I'm a team looking to make a playoff push and need to acquire a player, like, Thad Young sure seems like a guy to acquire. You know I mean, I think he'd be good on next year's deal. I, you, could, you could keep him at $14 million, I think it is, next year. And if you wanted to unload him, it's only partially guaranteed, so you have some optionality. But a team that wants to make a two-year run at the playoffs, I think Thad Young would be an outstanding addition uh, for a team like that. Like, solid on defense, solid on offense, you know, kind of does everything. You know, really good starting caliber player. Probably wouldn't even cost you that much to pry him from the Bulls because, you know, the Bulls aren't going to keep Thad Young past his existing contract. I think they might opt in to keep him next year, you know, assuming that they don't trade him this year because he's, he's been valuable enough to keep and they'll want to make a playoff pusher feel. So I think they might opt into him next year. But, you know, at his age, he's clearly not any type of long term fit. in the Bulls aspirations over the next few years probably aren't so exciting that you're going to worry if you, you give up on them. So if I'm the Bulls, Thad Young is definitely on the trade market, not because I, I don't love him, but because I think he has value and because he's not part of your long-term future. You know, so it becomes a situation. Do you want to add wins now or do you want to increase your asset base? And so I wrote a piece for Bloggable. It's not up yet, but it'll be up shortly. And you know, it kind of discusses how really there's no magic bullet to becoming a good team. You know, there's no, like, strategy that all these teams have used that have been good teams. And I kind of looked at, like, all the different good teams over the last decade for the most part and how they got there. And so one of the trends that is, is like, teams don't tank and become good. The only example of that maybe is the Philadelphia 76ers. So, you know, we, we're all aware of the process. We're all aware that they tanked really hard. And, you know, they've not gotten out of the second round of the playoffs yet. So now they're number one in the East today, you know, do you predict Philadelphia to be the team that comes out of the East? Like, I don't. I mean, maybe they will. I don't think they're going to come out of the East. But, yeah, they're, they're having a great season. You know, no, nothing to to mock the 76ers for. And they they got the number one pick in the draft in a year where there was, a, you know, a kind of like no-doubt star in Ben Simmons. Granted, he had the torn ACL at the time, so that created some little doubt. But he came back, and he's been amazing. And so you kind of got this no-doubt star, and you were number one. And, and they drafted Embiid at number three, and they had a bunch of other really high picks, and they— yeah, they made some misses on those uh, and some hits. Like, imagine if they drafted well; like, they could just be unbelievable. They could have Jason Tatum on this roster, roster in addition to the guys they have, and they could have a super team. So, the 76ers have kind of done that. Another team that sort of did that back in the day was the Oklahoma City Thunder, whom drafted Durant, Westbrook, and uh, James Harden, and then they also uh, had the number five pick. Um, Man, now the guy is slipping my mind. He, uh, Jeff Green, Jeff Green, who was you know, a solid player but not an amazing player. Uh, and, and so, like, they, they were a team that was really bad for a long time. They got the additional pick at uh, the Ray Allen trade with Boston, which I think the additional one was green out of those guys. But, you know, they basically had four picks in the top five over, like, a three-year period, and they were able to put together kind of a super team. So those, those are kind of the teams that have been able to, to tank and get lots of really high picks and do well. And so you got to realize these teams did this when the lottery odds made it so like you really had a much much better chance of winning the lottery if you were a very bad team, and if you didn't win the lottery, uh, you were generally still in the top you know four or five picks. You know, you're guaranteed the worst was fourth if you were the worst team in the league, and now it's it's like if you're the worst team in the league, your worst spot is fifth, and it's like fifty fifty you can be fifth, and so like you start really losing a lot of value, and your odds of winning really aren't that high. So, like, it's, it's not a good percentage anymore. And also, like, not a lot of teams did it. So you've got another couple teams, and we'll talk about, the, like, the Lakers and uh, trying, I think, was it the, the Clippers? It's mm, mm, slipping my mind now. I'd have to look it back an article. But you got another few teams. But basically, they didn't tank. Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, as the other squad, they didn't tank, but they used assets that they got by tanking to build enough quality things around them that they were able to lure LeBron James. The other interesting trend is like half of the, the good teams were just like, we had LeBron James, and we attracted LeBron James through some, some method. <laughs> that was like how, how half the teams are good. It's like the Lakers, the Cavs, and the Heat. You know, and and that, that accounts for like half of the finals appearances. It's like we had LeBron James. You know, and so it's it's interesting too. It's like if you get the next LeBron James, that's what you effectively want to do is have like this super, super duper star player. And you know, it's like the Lakers and the Cavs, they, they kinda tanked, you know, the Cavs very much tanked, and they had enough assets then, they got Kyrie Irving and then they got other players they were able to trade for Kevin Love to lure LeBron James back. But if LeBron James didn't come back, so say LeBron just was like, Screw it, Miami, I'm staying here, I love it, won two titles, whatever. Loyal to Dwayne Wade. Good decision, obviously, in the retrospect by LeBron for leaving. And I, and I said at the time of my show, like, LeBron left for Cleveland not because I think he really wanted to, like, bring a title for Cleveland. I'm sure he did, and he wrote that long letter or whatever, and win one for the land, Yeah, blah, blah, blah. But he left for Cleveland because it was actually the best team in the league he had a chance to win a title for. Like, that, that to me, is why he left for Cleveland. Now, it was a great storyline. The fact that it was Cleveland probably added a little bit to the equation, but the fact that it was the best place he could go to win a title who could give him the most money, I think weighed, and then you know he left Miami like just as he realized like there's no way I'm going to get another title here and then he left Cleveland, you know he said like, well, after we won, I left, but yeah, there was no way he's going to get another title there either and then he left for the Lakers, where he felt like, yeah, they've got a bunch of young up and coming guys they can trade for a star against Anthony Davis, you know that was all kind of i won't say entirely pre orchestrated, but you know Davis a, demanded a trade immediately. You only want to go to Lakers. Davis ends up at the Lakers. They gave up a king's ransom to get him, uh, but they had enough assets, and they had those assets kind of by being bad enough to to make uh, a good deal. And then you know the Lakers now win a title. So you know half of it is just being bad. And then you got teams. You know it's just like we were good enough, and we lured free agents. And so you got the Nets, and then you got the Clippers, who were kind of like that. The Clippers a little bit of a hybrid because they traded for Paul George, and then you got a lot of teams that like you know you got the Rockets who just straight traded for like every good player on their teams traded for James Harden traded for Chris Paul you know and then then they were really good you got the Raptors who kind of had some quality legacy talent and then traded for Kawhi Leonard Uh, and a lot of teams kind of uh, in the draft but they were non-tanking teams you got like teams like Utah and Denver and Portland uh, who were you know quality teams and they just drafted their stars but like the highest pick they ever had like for one of their stars was like number seven and they drafted like a star player at like 15. The Bucks, another example, like, you know, drafted uh, Giannis at 15. And so, yeah, part of it is like, it's not like I'm saying uh, these picks that are later are just as likely, but, you know, teams of Spurs also getting quiet, like 15. Getting the star players wherever they are is the key, and you get them in the draft. But a lot of the, a lot of the really good teams, they, they didn't tank to get them. And so, part of it is when you tank really bad, you need so much. So much talent. Like, you can't just hit on one draft pick if you tank. You got to hit on, like, three draft picks uh, to to come out of it because you, got, you lost so much talent to be that bad. And so the teams that did that, like the 76ers and the Thunder, you know, they hit on multiple star talents. I mean, the Thunder drafted three MVP caliber players, uh, and they still never won the title. They just got to the finals once. You know, the 76ers drafted, like, two all-star caliber players, and... They have not gotten out of the second round yet, maybe they will this year you know so it's it's really difficult to tank and have enough talent. you have to hit over and over and over in the draft if you do tank and these teams that don 't like fully tank you know they, they don 't really need to hit over and over necessarily. they just need to hit like once and then they have like you know like other talent that they can bring in and they have enough talent around them and so you 're looking at where the bulls are, and I think where they are now as a team is they need to be a team that gets lucky in the draft and then they keep someone like Zach Levine around and then they, get, they hit on a draft pick to, to, to go with Zach. And then so now the question would be, like, is Lowry the other guy you keep around? And, you know, Zach and Lowry a tandem that you, you try and build around? And my, my thought is no. And my plan, and I, I think I've probably been pretty clear with this plan before, but I think right now I am in the, you don't fully tank, maybe you get opportunistically a little bad and you try and add to your asset base, and you move forward. And so to me right now, Zach is a keeper. One thing, uh, the Eric Pink is, wrote this. I think he wrote it for Bleacher Report. But he was discussing, discussing how the Bulls can use their cap room to extend Zach this off-season at a deal that's bigger than a normal extension. Normally, you can only extend a guy for 20% more than their contract. And I talked on the show. I said, offer Zach a max extension this year. And he did, if the, if either the Bulls didn't offer it, or he didn't take it. Uh, because then you lock him in and you kind of lock him at this value price. So this, this off-season, I say the same thing. Offer Zach a max extension, but use your own cap room because there's no free agents. You're not going to sign anyone. Use your own cap room to bring Zach in at the max you know, deal. So you add four years onto that max deal and now you're, you have Zach as an asset you're keeping. And then, so I do that. So Zach is kind of like my one-star player that I'm keeping. I trust Zach. I, I really do. I trust Zach to do well. And so... Uh, I I have Zach now, and I'm going to trade Thad Young at this deadline if I can get something for him. And I feel like I should be able to. I feel like Thad should be an ideal guy for a team to acquire. Like, so many teams, I feel, could use Thad Young on them uh, who want to be good. I, I think Boston would be a good fit and maybe has stuff to trade. I think Philly would be a good fit. I don't think really Philly has anything to trade. But any of these teams looking to make a push, you know, Clippers, Lakers, probably would be good fits, probably nothing to trade. One team that maybe is interesting to me is the the Utah Jazz, who currently sit atop the Western Conference. Like, how wild is that? The <laughs> Jazz at the top of the Western Conference. And, you know, I'm not... I, I can't say, like, I'm an expert in the Jazz's roster, but, boy, it kind of feels like Thad Young might fill in, like, a pretty good role there. Like, I don't know that they got a lot at power forward there, and Thad Young would be a good fit. I'm not sure that the Jazz really have anything. I'm excited to get either... Uh, maybe some future picks but if the jazz want to go all in like i feel like that is a team that might also be a good fit and they're playing well enough where i feel like they're a team that might consider it you know they might consider like yeah we need to make a push this year and Utah's not going to sign for agents you know so i think they might be be interesting Uh, phoenix at 12 and 9 actually right now they're fourth in the west and phoenix is another team uh, that might be a little intriguing and maybe you know they would want to make a run at it i'm not sure that they we fit as well in, the, uh, in Phoenix. You know, they got Jay Crowder already who kind of fills that sort of like Thad Young uh, type of role. But we'll see. I think Thad Young is a guy who, who would have a lot of places he could go. You know, an interesting thing might be with Brooklyn if you traded Thad Young for Spencer Dinwiddie. You know, Brooklyn I kind of feel like is a win now or bust. And, and Thad Young would be, you know, a really nice player to, to fit in that starting lineup. He would add you know, give you a lot of defense, a lot of passing. Doesn't need a lot of shots. Probably would play outstanding next to their their big three. It's just Brooklyn doesn't have a lot. I think the only thing you would maybe consider is if you're the Bulls and you want to take a chance on post-ACL Spencer Dinwiddie, that's like the one thing that the, the Magic could, could possibly trade. And I guess I'm just not so sure that that is, uh, you know, that, that's something that the Bulls would be really excited to do. You know, it's, it's, I, I can't remember what his his contract looks like. But I think that is the, the big problem there is it's like, he, you know, you're going to have to resign Spencer Dinwiddie at some point in the not-too-distant future. And, you know, it, yeah, he's only got an option for next year, player option, which at $12 million, maybe he doesn't even opt opt in on. You know, who knows? I'm coming off the ACL. So I think that's the risky thing is you just don't know if you're going to be able to keep Spencer Dinwiddie and just having his bird rights probably isn't enough. So maybe that's off the table. And then Brooklyn's got nothing else. So anyway, though, point is, I would, I would definitely trade Thad Young And if you trade Thad Young, it kind of feels like you're probably going to fall off uh, this race for like the 10th spot. So you won't make the play-in tournament if you trade Thad Young. And I think that's probably okay. And maybe now the Bulls are sitting at 4th or 5th in the lottery odds. And I think that's also okay. I I think I'm happy with that positioning. Uh, I would trade Otto Porter if there's a market. I would trade uh, Garrett Temple if there's a market. Same thing for those guys. I think they hurt your teams. Uh, Denzel Valentine, if someone wanted to him, like kind of like, yeah, sure, he's, he's gone. Anyone who's not going to be part of this future, I would, I would say I'd get rid of. And so like I would actively look for trades for those guys who could help a team win now. And if I could get like first round picks, even late ones for them, I would do it and get what I can. I would also look to trade Lowry Markkinen. I'd, I don't trust Lowry long-term. Uh, I've, I've kind of used this analogy before. I think Lowry is really a garbage man. You know, people look at Montrezl Harrell and they say Montrezl Harrell is just a garbage man. You know, he scores super efficiently. He scores a lot of points, but he can't create his own shot. And so Lowry is the same way. He's just doing it from the three-point line. Like, Lowry doesn't create a lot of shots, you know, but it's valuable. It's valuable if you can score 20 points efficiently, you know, even if you can't create your own shot. You're, you're doing something, right? Like, it's not like you can just throw Daniel Gafford out there and get 20 points, right? Gafford can't create his own shot either. You know, so Montrezl Harrell's doing more than, than Daniel Gafford is. Like, either he's like a higher, higher effort, uh, smarter player on cuts, makes himself available more. Maybe he's got just a little bit more range, finishing close shots. Maybe he's just a little bit more coordinated, uh, you know, when he has a little opening. Who knows? But, like, he, he can do a little bit more. So, and Lowry's kind of the same way. Like, you know, it's not like just, just a guy who can kind of shoot. You know, he, he does other stuff. And maybe it's just the fact that he's tall and that makes him a little bit harder to guard and he needs a little bit less room. Maybe it's just the fact that, you know, it's power forwards have to get out there and it's more difficult for them uh, to stay with him. And so, but he, he can create a lot of good, efficient offense. And, you know, in props to Lowry for this year, you know, he's shot the ball well and he's, he's been an efficient offensive player. You know, the one thing I've said about Lowry in the past is, like, he's not been super efficient. But this year he has been. And I, I think that, that's what's made him more valuable. And the thing is, I feel like some team is going to offer Lowry a huge amount of money you know, 20 million a year or more. And I just don't want to be that team. Like, I don't think he is a guy who adds enough that for me, it's worth having him there. Now, while he's shooting close to 40% from three, uh, which he is now 19 points a game, you know, I think, I think you can make a case for Lowry for sure. And I'm not going to blame anyone who does make a case for Lowry. It's just that I'm not going to be the one making it. To me, Lowry is a guy because he doesn't create his own shot and you're going to have to overpay him for what he is. I just, and, and he has defensive flaws that I think you're never gonna be able to fix. I, I actually probably trust maybe this will sound crazy, I trust Zach Levine on defense more than Lowry Markinen. And, you know, that's just that's just how it is for me at this moment. So I uh, I think I think with Lowry I look to trade him, you know, my hope is that someone else, one of these teams that values Lowry and would value him in the offseason and would pay him in the off season, will be like, Yeah, I'll pay up some first round picks because I either want him this year or I want his bird rights, uh, and I want matching rights on him so I can get him for less and I can play hardball and, and whatever else and get a better deal from him and want him long-term. You know, There's teams out there, if you look at like, some, like, a team like the Thunder or a team like the Pelicans who have a lot of picks, they aren't going to sign free agents generally. Like They're not going to be teams that attract a lot of top-tier talent. They're rebuilding. Like If you're the Thunder, like how many picks would you trade for Lowry Markkanen? You've got, like, 18 first-rounders over the next five years. You can't even, like, sign them all to your roster. You have so many slots. Like, you need to combine picks. You're not a great free agent destination. Lowry's not going to break the bank as a max player if he comes to your team. You know, you kind of need a player at his position. Uh, you know, I feel like if you're the Thunder, like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Like, this is this is actually maybe a pretty good uh, fit for us, and we have lots of picks uh, to to move, so, you know... Why, why would we not at least consider that? You know, so, and maybe they, they look at uh, Poku and they feel like, oh, he's the, the power forward of the future and is off to some great start. I don't, I don't think that that is probably true. Uh, you know, but we'll see. I just, I just feel like that is a, a good spot uh, for, for Lowry to land in a team that has a lot of picks they need to consolidate. And they have a lot of picks that aren't going to be great picks that are protected and will be non-Lotto picks. But so say you could get two of those picks for Larry Marketing, if you're the Bulls. They're not great. They have no upside to them, like super upside, but you're going to get two picks that project in like the 15 to 20 range. And you know they won't be better than 15. You know, like that's kind of a deal where I feel like, yeah, I could live with that. You know, like just just give me the asset base and and then move forward. And if you could get another pick that's similar to that for Thad, and now you've got three extra mid-round first picks to kind of fill in depth. And then, you know, then you have to put your trust in the Bulls ownership to make good moves with these picks, or not ownership, uh, management, you put trust in Arturis uh, Karnaschovas to make these kind of moves, and I, and I feel like I could do that, I feel like I'd be okay with that, you know, looking at these other teams that have become really good, you know, ultimately what they're doing, you know, the Jazz, you're getting a Donovan Mitchell at 12, you're getting Rudy Gobert at 27, and that's how your team became great, you look at the Denver Nuggets, I want to say Jamal Murray was the seven pick, somewhere around there, and then uh, you know, Joker was like 43. You know, so you're, you're basically saying like, all right, we're going to load ourselves up with extra draft assets and we're going to have to count on our, our guys finding some good picks, you know, not at the top of the draft. And then maybe if you make these couple trades and maybe you move auto, this team bounces down to like say fourth or fifth in lotto odds. This is a studded, st- a star studded draft class. This is a year that maybe you do that. Uh, your own pick becomes more valuable. You know, maybe you get a little luck, and you, you move up in the lottery, and there might be up to like four star players in this lottery, uh, maybe even more. And you get one of these studs, and you add them to your team. Someone fits well next to Zach Levine. You have a bunch of extra draft assets, and then now you're moving forward. Because I think if you just roll with that, it's like, yeah, you're gonna maybe, maybe you can fight your way up to 10th. And maybe in a year where you could get two max contracts rooms of guys and there were clear max free agents available and there were multiple and you know, there weren't a lot of like high-profile quality destinations, someone might, those guys might look at Chicago and be like, yeah, we could play with Zach Levine. They made the playoffs this past year and they got another guy who looks like a star and they got some young talent that could you know, rise up as well. This could be, like, a a good team to settle in. Like, I could totally see two stars doing that, and they'd be like, yeah, Chicago, man, that's a good market. We can get, like, extra money being in Chicago. Like, if Chicago is rolling, that's a team that's going to, you know, be even better to roll in than, like, say, if we joined Milwaukee or something, you know, or Oklahoma City or whatever. Like, it's a huge market. So there's, like, market appeal. It's a great city to live in. You know, it, you know, it's like after Chicago and New York, or sorry, after L.A. and New York, Chicago is probably, you know, the nicest city you could live in. And some could even argue it's a nicer city than some of those other places. It doesn't have the warm weather of L.A. Maybe it doesn't quite have the nightlife in New York. But whatever, it's, 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 an, it's a tier one city for sure, right? Like, it's a tier one city, like, absolutely. So there's a lot going on that Chicago would have if there were these marquee free agents. And you could say, yeah, we can get fit two max contracts in and have Zach Levine and a couple of these young, talented pieces on the roster like, I could easily see how with the new coaching staff, people love Billy Donovan, and with Karnaschovas at the helm, who has a great reputation, I could see that working out. But that's not the case. There aren't two max free agents this year. There's no one to pursue. And so knowing that, knowing that you're not going to be able to pursue kind of like this free agent plan that has worked for the Clippers and worked for the Brooklyn Nets because there just aren't the guys on the market, knowing that that plan is kind of off the table for this year, then now I'm like, all right, right, let's the next best option for me if I can't pursue that plan because there aren't the options, is all right, let's just trade the veteran guys who aren't going to be here long term increase our asset base. Trade Lowry because I don't believe in him. Now, if you believe in Lowry, you could keep him. You could say Lowry plus Zach plus these young guys we hope develop and then just trade the vets to increase our asset. But I trade those guys, you know, see if I can dip down to the 4 or 5 range in picks while still keeping good value on my roster. Hopefully, you'd get some luck in the lottery. You get a star-type player this year. You have extra draft assets for the future. You still have a lot of cap flexibility because the only long-term high-value contract you have on your books is Zach Levine. And then you hope that these other guys grow into good roles. Now, I would also opportunistically be willing to trade Kobe White or Wendell Carter or even Patrick Williams. Like, if someone wants to sell me uh, you know, a whole bunch of something for one of those guys, I'm not attached to any of them. You know, I'd be willing to move any of those guys too. Now, I don't think the value on those guys is going to be so high that you're going to get anything, and then they still are young enough that they might turn into very high-quality players for you. So you trade them if someone, wants to really, someone else is super excited and gives you a lot for them. But because they have long-term potential value to be useful for you, you don't just throw them away for like a pick that's not going to be as good as them. You know, like the pick I get for Thad Young is probably not going to be as good as Thad Young. But that's okay because in two years, Dad Young is not going to be here no matter what. The pick I get for Kobe White or Wendell Carter is probably not going to be as good as Kobe White or Wendell Carter. But Kobe White or Wendell Carter has potential to be a valuable player for me for the next five to seven years. Now, they may or may not, but they have the potential to be. And so because they might be part of my long-term future, I don't want to trade them for something worse than them. You know, that's just another gamble. But if someone wants to trade me something that's actually of value, Uh, then I might consider it. So, like, these guys are guys I might trade for a different young talent, you know, or or maybe an established talent that's going to be there for four or five years, you know, like that type of guy who's paid a lot more money uh, but has more quality, especially if I end up getting a a star. So those those are, like, opportunistic trades. Like, if, if something comes up that just makes total sense, you make the trade. Like, you're not attached to those guys, but you're not looking to get out of their deals. You know, the veteran guys who can help another team, if some team wants them, you know, I'm all over trading them and, and, and moving them. And so for Porter, it's probably like if you can find some team that's like, yeah, we made some really big mistake in a contract and we're trying to win and we can swap that mistake for Otto Porter who can help us win and, you know, maybe the Bulls take an extra $27 million, you know, like I'll do that. Like maybe for me, like if I could trade Otto Porter to Golden State for Andrew Wiggins and then they also throw in like some kind of like good draft asset, I'd be be into it. Now, I don't think Golden State's going to do that because I don't think Golden State wants to give up draft assets, and I don't think they're close enough to winning now that Otto Porter would make a difference. Uh, If they were going to have Clay Thompson back this season, maybe that would have been different, but they don't. And so I don't think they're going to make any type of sacrifice trades now. But, you know, that was like the type of contract I could immediately think of off the top of my head that some team might do. And if there's other deals out there that are similar, that some team says, yeah, we kind of made a mistake here. We want to unload this guy and we still kind of want to win, you know, and, and Porter improves our, you know, our roster and also improves our cap space. And we're willing to give up a first round pick to do it. You know, I'm kind of OK taking that type of trade. So we'll see. We'll see what the Bulls can do. But that, that's kind of my plan going forward right now. And it really is about who you trust and who you believe in. And on this Bulls roster, the only guy that answers that to me right now is Zach Levine. So he's the only one. And, and even Zach is not off the table. It's just I like Zach enough that I don't think anyone is going to you know, make me an offer big enough that I'm okay moving Zach. Now, if some team comes in and throws down like the Harden-like offer on him, yeah, I'm all in. If someone gives me, here's, here's our next four draft picks unprotected and then pick swaps on the other three that are unprotected, Yep, if you give me your seven years of draft capital, yeah, here you go. Take Zach Levine. You know, I'll I'll do that and just bet that you know by five years your team still won't be good. Yeah, you know, I might bet wrong, but I'll take the chance. Hey, you know, and and see what happens. Anyway, that'll do it for this edition of the Bulls Beat. Uh, hopefully, we will see what the Bulls can do against the Wizards and Pelicans, the final two games of kind of this like mediocre seven game stretch. Uh, which to me kind of defines the Bulls' direction. If, if you can't win against these teams, which you know, are kind of the teams competing for these 10th-like like, spots, competing for the play-in tournament, not, com- not playoff teams, sub-playoff caliber teams, if you can't win against these teams, these bad teams consistently, and the Pelicans and Wizards are just bad, if you can't beat these teams, then you probably shouldn't be chasing the playoff. You should probably doing exactly what I said. I'm probably doing that either way. But I at least get it if you win a bunch, won a bunch of these games and you look like, yeah, we could be a playoff team. I at least get it pursuing the playoffs. Anyway, we'll talk to you guys next week.